Welcome to the Instant Mentor Podcast, where we talk everything mentorship. As co-founders of Instant Mentor, I'm Lance, and with me is Michael, and today we will be discussing characteristics that are red flags in potential mentors. Now, this is very important to be on the lookout and aware of because sometimes uh, if there are red flags with mentors and they have the wrong intentions or motives and we begin to share more information than we should, uh, this can become problematic because we know, unfortunately, there are a lot of people with uh, ill intentions out there who are looking to do um, the wrong thing and looking to gather certain information for the wrong reason. So, uh, Michael, are there any red flags that immediately stand out for you that we want to warn the people? This is a really, this is a really interesting one because it it's hard when you're. I think it's harder when you're a mentee to see the red flags because, just frankly, you know, you're you're less experienced. I don't know if you feel the same way, Lance, but it's like if you if you don't know what you don't know, you're you're a little naive, and it's nothing wrong. You know, I think that's just the way it is. You know, just not having that much experience, like you don't really know what to look for in a mentor. And I think there could be a number of red flags that hopefully you know we'll be able to discuss today that will help potential mentees looking for mentors to be on the lookout for. Um, but that's why I think this one's so hard is just because right out the gate. You don't really know what to look for because you've never had this before or, you know, you're not as experienced. So you've never like had to hire people before where you kind of look for potential, you know, good things and bad things or potential employers. So this one's a difficult one. And I've got a few that came to mind, but I want to hear yours first. Did you have like one that you particularly were thinking about? You know, I mean, you brought up very good points, Michael. And I'd say it, where I want to go first is maybe the questions. So... I mean, mm. there there's usually a growth process with certain questions, um, but it seems like sometimes if there's a rush to the immediately personal questions, like trying to figure mm. out, um, you know, what are your weaknesses and insecurities and and those sort of things, asking those questions right up front, uh, I don't think is the best because you don't even know the person. And then also with experience, you should understand most people have a problem, you know, mentioning those more deeper things. Uh, I'm, I'm sure we have family and friends even that we don't even know their insecurities or whatnot. And that's either right. due to a, a lack of in-depth uh, questions or maybe it's just due to certain people in our group. It's just difficult for them to share. Whatever the case if they're diving right into those questions, the mentee can feel pressured. And then I think that pressure just internally is a bit of a red flag because the mentor knows this is a big question. They're not ready for it. And the mentee uh, might even right. be figuring out like, why all of a sudden am I having to answer these questions? I don't really want to. I feel uncomfortable. Nonetheless, they may. They might not even have the courage to voice up. And then I think there are ulterior motives moving forward with the mentor asking those. Maybe even That's, in a sense of a manipulative tactic or an right. empowerment over that person. That's a really good point. Yeah, getting personal too quick. You know, trying to yeah. like jump into those really deep things that, one, might not even be appropriate for the mentorship that you're looking for. Like if, if you're looking for, you know, a mindfulness mentor or, you know, a spiritual mentor and 
not necessarily a life mentor or even a work mentor, and they just start asking all these personal questions. Yeah, probably a red flag. It's like, wait a second, are we aligned <laughs> on what exactly we're trying to get out of this and what makes the most sense? And you actually made me think of something else is I think there are a lot of like, this is like the buzz out there right now is life coaches. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, I think a mentorship is a little different than having like a coach. And we've talked about this before, like the difference between coaches and mentors. And what you made me think of is like, you, you could end up trying to get involved with a mentor who's trying to get you to like pay for the mentorship, like as part of a program. And uh, not necessarily that's, that may not be a bad thing. You know, you, you pay for coaches and um, it could be okay, you know, if you're willing to do that. But I think you should be weary of people who try to sell you things right out the gate. So to your point, it's like if they're jumping in to, you know, attack your insecurities really quickly and maybe they use that to try to get you to like pay them for, you know, giving you that advice or, or make you feel like you owe them something because they're helping you. I think those are all red flags to your point that you, you definitely have to be on the lookout for and should be immediate turnoffs to the situation. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. And yeah, mentorship should not be paid for because the very term I, I see in mentorship is the willingness to help without reciprocation in the sense of right. not needing to pay because it's not a service. It's a relationship. Yeah, it's a very good point. And I think that's like the basis of, you know, the whole entire thing is and that's what kind of keeps it pure, you know, keeping the the money, the financial aspect out of it where it's not like you're just doing it to get a paycheck or you're trying to you know get all the mentees you can because you, you want to get more money or whatever, get more clout, whatever it might be. Those are all things you should definitely be on the lookout for. And to your point about ulterior motives, like I think they could be either, yeah, looking to boost themselves up, like it's more of like a self-esteem thing for them, or maybe they do like to put people down and they're kind of looking for how can I find those people that can fill that void for me? And any of those kind of negative connotations, you should definitely be on the lookout for to be like, yeah, maybe this isn't exactly <laughs> the situation I should be in. And you should try to run from that in the other direction as fast as you possibly can. I'm, I'm curious yeah. how you how you kind of find Like, how do you weed out as a mentee and ask the right questions so that you avoid situations like that? Weed out the mentee or the mentor? Oh, weed out the mentor. Sorry. So if I'm a mentee. Like, what are the right questions to ask? What are the right things to look for, like we did from the mentor aspect, where maybe you'd be able to see these red flags before you even start the relationship? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, you brought up a great point as far as some people do the right things, but just it's more selfish and for themselves. Uh, mm -hmm. Like someone might mention or maybe a family member or friend mentions, oh, this person gives money to this organization or nonprofit. But you know enough about the person giving that money that they're only doing it for tax purposes. It's ah. not necessarily really to help other people out. So I think it comes by way, yeah, of getting to know the mentor. But what questions can you ask and get to know up front so you can discern better? Right. Um, and what are those I, things you I, look for out the gate, like from there? How do you do the right research? And what are the things you might look for? that may be red flags or, or things or basically to find, hey, how do I know this person would not be a good fit for me? Well, I think you just hit a key word. I think research definitely is good. Uh, I remember, um, 
you know, back <laughs> back in the day oh during the high school. <laughs> oh boy, here we go. Back in the day during the high school days, if, if I had you know a crush on someone, I'd I'd be I'd want to get to know everything about them, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that that was the day of Facebook booming and all that, and um, and so it's it kind of is like the same thing when you understand when you know who they are their name is do a google search find them on social media um it sounds a little bit stockish but i mean the reality is everyone does it and you want to make sure you're not wasting each other's time so you can kind of discern and figure out what they're about based upon what they post and Mm -hmm. you know are they someone who's putting up a facade or are they real and genuine to themselves? Are they okay with sharing some of their personal life? Like maybe they enjoy fishing. Uh, maybe they're a family uh, man or maybe they're, uh, you know, someone who just loves their kids. I, It's good to find those things. But then once you're in the meeting, asking questions such as, um, why, how long have you been a mentor for? Am I your only mentee or have you done this before with other people? Mm-hmm. What what was what was kind of your motive or want for becoming a mentor? I think yeah. that's a good question. Yeah, uh, those are all then, great questions, I agree. Yeah, and then I would just say like when you when you chose to become a mentor, uh, what led that and and where would you like the end to be with our relationship? Yeah. Um making sure you're aligned up front. I think those yes. are absolutely critical. It's and it's almost like to even start the weed out process, you, you really yes. need to understand why are you why are you interested in a mentorship and what are you looking for? What are those characteristics? And to your point, you know, it could be experience, um, it could be, you know, certain accolades that they've achieved, certain things they've done, like with publications or books or whatever it might be, um, startups and you should kind of know the type of qualities that you're looking for. And then as you're kind of researching to your point, you can kind of say, okay, they've had experience in uh, the software industry, or they've started to start up and scaled it to this next level, or, you know, they, they experienced burnout from some aspect and they wrote about their personal journey to recover from that and how they were able to succeed through that, or, you know, starting a family, going through a really hard time and then recovering from that. And I think if you do your research um, you should be able to see those red flags of like, okay, do, has this person, do they meet my criteria one? And then to your point, it's like, even though it might seem good on paper, going a mm-hmm. little bit more in depth, like looking at social media or something like that will allow you to weed that even further to be like, okay, what they're saying is true. And it's not just a facade, right? But sometimes to your point, you don't really know that till you get to your first meeting. So it never hurts to kind of ask about those things or if you're like, hey, I saw you're involved with this um, charity. Could you tell me more about that, like why you're interested? And I think that will help you understand them more as a person. You know, it shows that you're genuinely interested and you put in the work and then you can know, oh, is this just something that they're like, oh, I just threw it on there because, you know, I donated $10 this one time. (laughs) And it's like, okay, yeah, that's a red flag. You know, obviously this is more (laughs) facetious and they don't really care about this organization and this cause. So you bring us some really good points. And I think by you knowing what you're looking for, you can start to look for those same signs moving forward. And I think that's why, you know, in our platform for for Instamenter, it was so important for us to have like a basically a bio for you. So you're able to kind of create your profile and add all this information so that it proves, hey, you put in the work. 
uh, to create this profile, put all of your stuff on there. And then you, you have links out to things like LinkedIn, like websites, like social media, where you can then investigate further to know if this person is truly just writing this stuff about, you know, what they want to look like, or if they actually are living the life that you're looking for. Exactly. No, I like that a lot. So the research you said, you said, you know, the questions, but you brought up a key keyword too, is uh, a facade, putting on a facade. And I think many times that can be understood when you're in the meeting. And if everything is just being confirmed, like, I mean, think of a relationship, it's different with the mentorship, right? But in a relationship, if that person has is basically mirroring you and right. you know oh that's my favorite movie too that's my favorite book too these are my favorite songs you know oh mm-hmm. i'm this personality type and oh i always thought that as well you know if everything is confirming and it seems too good to be true it most likely is too good to be true right <laughs> um because basically that person has not found their own identity and they're trying to match yours in order to get you to like them. Mm. And so if this is happening on a mentorship level, a mentor who has ill intentions for whatever reasons, they might say exactly what you want to hear right? rather than out of a genuineness of who they are. And, you know, I don't, if you just even have a disturbance in your gut feeling, but you can't describe it, or maybe you ignore it for a little bit, but you're like, Some, something's off here. I don't fully understand this. That most likely is an indication of a red flag because our body many times does not lie. Uh, yeah. If we're getting triggered on a uh, physiological level, there's something psychological going wrong that is causing us to be that way. Right. It's a really good point. And you made me think of a couple of interesting things too it's like that that first meeting is really telling it's where you evaluate do we have chemistry obviously not in like a relational way but just like hey do we work well together do we seem to have like a good flow and and you have to be careful with that because you can't you know judge a book by its cover and immediately make assumptions that it's not going to work you have to give some relationship some time to really grow into it but to Lance's point, it's really important that if you do have that gut feeling that something's not right it's better to cut it off early rather than you know continue to fight against that and then potentially put yourself in a bad situation. And you also said something that that made me think about, you know, as you're asking those questions or you're trying to to weed through the facade, I think, you know, back to your earlier point right in the beginning, is depending on the type of of response that they give you. Like if you mm-hmm. go to them and you're kind of explaining your yourself and the situation and what you're looking for and they immediately just start to solution things for you be like well you should go do this and it's like well you know this is our first meeting do you really have all the details <laughs> like i think a good mentor is going to try to understand the context right they're not just going to say oh here's how you solve it like go do this now <laughs> it's like yep. no they've got to understand everything and they should be i think one of the you know the wise statements out there it's like you should be quick to listen and slow to respond and i think that's what yes. you want in a mentor is someone who inquires. They get all the details. They really try to understand the situation from your point of view and get how you're feeling. And then they kind of come back and they say, hey, you know, given everything you're saying, you know, I actually went through something similar. And they kind of explain how they how it relates. And then they can kind of guide you in the right direction. But if they just immediately jump to like, Lance, you should, you know, go on this type of journey. You should quit your job and start your startup. It's like, 
that's probably not the right advice if they're giving that to you like 10 or 15 minutes after you just met. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, yeah, it's going to be a rough road ahead. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That, those are the ones you got to watch out for. And, you know, there is like a very like one in a million chance they could be right, but it's, it's very rare. <laughs> so yeah. make sure you definitely, you know, weed through those people who are just trying to solution for you and just trying to get you to go do things when it may not actually be the right situation. So make sure they're actually willing to listen and inquire and really understand before, you know, you just start taking their advice. Yes, I think that's imperative. And people need to know your story before giving those suggestions. Uh, it doesn't need right. to be the full story, but yeah, I, I agree, Michael. Off, offering the solutions right up front, I mean, that's not what the first meeting's about. That's not even what the second or third meeting is about, I would say. Right. Uh, you got to build that foundation for trust and having time to discern the situation and the person to be able to not only give the advice and potential solutions, but also be willing to accept them as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like jumping what, to all the conclusions, you know, before even having any of the context. Like if I don't understand Lance's background and his motives and, you know, the dynamics around things you're interested in that you want to get mentorship on and why you kind of saw this out in the first place, how can I give you any valuable advice? You know, it's going to be totally out of context or point you in the wrong direction. And it's just going to have you turn your wheels or spinning your wheels for, for no good use. So absolutely. Yeah. No, that's that's so true. That's so true. And and one thing I thought too is, uh, which obviously we should discuss is, I mean, opposite sex mentorships. So obviously it's not impossible to happen. I know this. I know it's out there. There's you know, people get you know all caught up with the whole gender differentiation and, um, the, you know, we're not trying to get political or anything, but just. It's important to know that this can happen. Just be wary and discern the intentions again. Because if you're an older man in your 40s, 50s, or 60s, and you see an attractive woman that you supposedly quote-unquote want to mentor, uh, it's it's questionable that you're really just wanting to mentor that person because you're a good person. And likewise, is it with you know a single 50, 60 woman it doesn't even have to be that age could be older or younger but to a young man that you know um is uh, a handsome young man too i mean if this if their pursuit is towards that you ha you have to discern the situation very intently because michael i know in your corporate life uh you know you've had mentors uh who are women before and you've learned a ton and and that's wonderful, and we're not even knocking that at all. But we want people to be discern, ex discerning, especially, you know, I think on July 4th, that one movie came out, Sound of Freedom. I haven't seen it yet, no. um, but but it's on, you know, the sex trafficking of kids. And, um, you know, when people who are twice the age wanting to mentor someone of the opposite sex, we're not saying there's going to be sex trafficking or anything, but, you know... It, there is just something to be on guard and on the lookout for. Right. Um, it's very gray and, and rough, slippery ledges to, to go through. And, and not to yes. say it can't be done. Like I think both you and I, we generally, we generally feel that people have good intentions. Um, but you do, there are bad people out there. People have bad intentions and you have to be 
super cautious when you're getting into something as intimate as a, a mentorship where you're going to be growing with this person. I, I think if your your goals or your mentorship is around, you know, career or it's around health or it's around mindfulness, spirituality, whatever it might be, those are, are probably easier ones to have a, um, you know, a gender to a different gender mentee-mentor relationship. But I think as a branch of life, as mentorships often do, you also have to be cognizant that just the way that you know we're, we're built scientifically, it's we have different ways of thinking about things and different ways to relate. Like it's harder to relate someone on a life on a life perspective and a life basis if they are a different gender, just because our chemistry is different, right? Like we do think about things different, and our biochemistry is different than the opposite sex, and that's for many good reasons, right? And so I think mm-hmm. relating to someone at that level for a life mentorship can be really hard. It's not impossible, like you said, but I think it can be really difficult to get the insights you need when it's like a man talking to a woman, a woman talking to a man versus a man to a man, right? Because we go through different struggles because of the way that we're built. And so I think that's just something you have to be aware of as you're getting into it. And again, don't think it's impossible. I think people have good intentions, but it is something just to be aware of, of we are going to see things differently. And they are going to have different experiences because they are of a different sex. And that's just something you have to acknowledge. And that's it's good to have in like team settings and, you know, um, I mean, just, yeah, and obviously uh, relationships, right? Because those different perspectives and whatnot help towards uh, the building blocks of, of making things move forward. And right. I think I think really what we want to just establish, Michael, I mean, we're both in, you know, South Florida and we see these type of relationships a good amount, right? What, what, <laughs> what did they say? The It's the land of the nieces or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think you're um, right. Right. So I think what we just want to warn people is just be very cautious because if an emotional relationship starts happening and that you know man or woman is already married or maybe they have been in the past or maybe – uh, maybe they're single right now. It's it's just not it's not the best thing at all in any circumstance. Right, uh, and this is really it's a really hard topic to talk about because it's not easy. <laughs> it's like we're we're trying to you know bridge these territories of you know you have to avoid situations that could turn bad or go south, and these are unfortunately you know just due to the way. The, the times are, you know, this stuff mm-hmm. happens every day around us. And Sadly. You have to be, you have to be aware of that. And you have to be knowing that this person could not be looking for my best intentions. And so you have to be aware of those things. It's not easy to talk about. Like I said, we think they're generally people are good intended, but that stuff does happen. And to your point, it's not only at the beginning, like at the beginning, it could be pure, you know, but as it grows on, it could turn into a different direction than you want to head. And I think that's a red flag too. Is as you see your relationship kind of ch- kind of changing, even though you might really you know respect this person and um, you might you know really see a lot of value that you gain with them. If it starts taking the wrong direction, to your point, like if it starts getting to be too emotional or relational, and you're like, I didn't really sign up for this. It's okay to acknowledge that too and set that boundary because if you're not setting it, you know it could really it could really take the wrong direction and really be a, a bad thing for, for both your lives. Yes. I think you hit a key word there is boundaries. I mean, immediately my mind went to, uh, 
you know, during the high school days, uh, you know, went to a public school and um, not to say that this doesn't happen at other places, but just in general, there were certain, you know, relationships that you would hear of what teachers might have done with like the students and, you know, even, you know, some things came to uh, in light to the news of what was going on and between coaches and athletes. And it's just, Michael, you're absolutely right. The boundaries need to be set. And I think that might even be on the next podcast or one in the future we want to do is how do you set those appropriate boundaries with your mentor and mentee? Right. Yeah. And it's, it's continual too. You know, it's, because there may even be things like it doesn't necessarily even have to be going in a bad direction, but there could be areas that you just aren't, you don't feel comfortable discussing. And that's fine too, right? Is if you set that boundary of saying like, hey, this is something I'm really not ready to talk about and I don't want to go into that direction. And yep. as a mentee or a mentor, you need to respect that, you know, because they're setting that boundary and they're communicating it. And then it's like, okay, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> even though I think that's something you should do because that might help with your issue or the, the situation you're in. If they don't want to go there, you have to respect that. I think that's the key. Well, you're absolutely right. And I'll say this one last thing, and then um, I'm sure we have to give the summary now, Michael, but um, you're absolutely right. Don't feel pressured to answer the questions because deep questions uh, too early on, many times, not all the times, uh, but many times it can be in a sense of wanting authority and power, wanting information and to be able to use maybe even against that person down right. the road or again as we discussed to manipulate them in some way or and this this is just the way of vicious ill-intentioned deceitful people uh, who ultimately will be justified uh, or not justified but have justice done um, but it's just important to be cautious because you want to protect your own heart uh, as proverbs says guard your heart for from it flows everything and it's so true right. Um, if we're giving our heart to anyone and everyone, everyone, um, you know, knows everything about us. I mean, it's it's very good and a beautiful thing to be transparent, but just recognize the the extent of the transparency you're sharing to others, um, because sometimes if you're sharing current struggles, even or current insecurities, that can be used against you by evil wrong people in this world so just be wary of that um but michael as always i don't know if you want to reply to that but um you can give the summary i guess if you're ready (laughs) yeah you hit it on the head um yeah you know going back is those red flags that you're looking for as a mentee looking for a mentor and i think as always it goes back to you have to know why you started this what you're looking for and when you pick a mentor it can't just be like a, a quick decision you have to do your research and ensure that this person's going to be the right person that matches those characteristics or experiences that you're looking for. So it's really important you do that research and you don't just read what they have to say on a quick bio or, you know, take what somebody says, um, you know, face value. You really have to do the research of, yeah, Google them. We live in a great age where, you know, the internet enables us to really find a lot of information about people, good or bad. Um, so you're able to kind of dig that into that deeper and see like, okay, do they actually live the things that they say they live? And do they do the things that I found interesting? And if that's true, you know, great. Go into that first meeting and get to know them a little more. And then to your point um, in the very beginning, Lance, is during that first meeting, kind of look out for those 
two personal, two quick questions. Like they just jumped directly into like, tell me about a bad relationship you had once. Yeah, that's probably a red flag. Uh, yep. <laughs> you do not want to be jumping directly into those questions because yeah, it could be for no. manipulative purposes or anything like that. So if they're getting too personal too quick, that's a really, really quick red flag. And I think also if they're just trying to solution too quick, if they just hear exactly what you're trying to say and they just immediately say like, go do this or go do this. It's like, we didn't have all the details. It's like, how can you give any guidance if you don't know the details of the situation? So you want someone that's, you know, quick to listen, slow to respond. They take time to digest the information and then they, they come back with kind of a, a solid response that relates back to your situation and gives you the proper guidance you need. So be on the lookout for those people who are just looking for something quick. And um, also those people who maybe they, they just put up a front. They look good on paper, but then as you really start diving in, um, you got to be able to mm. see through that and weed through it a bit. So I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, that first meeting, you have a lot of opportunity to ask the right questions to make sure you're you're searching for the right information. And then from there, you know, hopefully, if it's good, keep evaluating the situation as it goes on. If you find someone you're getting a lot of value from, even though it started off pure, doesn't mean it's always going to stay that way. And it's unfortunate, but that's the way life is. And so, you know, things could start going the wrong direction than what you wanted in the beginning. And you've got to learn to set those boundaries, which I think is a great next topic that we could talk through, Lance. So, yeah, I think that's it. Absolutely. Michael and I are here for you guys, and we want uh, we want you to have the most excellent uh, mentorship experience, and we just want to protect you uh, from things that would otherwise happen. Um, not to say that it, it would never happen, not to say that it's, it's, it's going to happen, you know, very quickly, or at some point you always need to be on guard, but we just want you to be just discerning and to be able to have that best experience possible so you can avoid a lot of these things that do end up doing psychological damage in the long run. Um, so this has been another episode of the Instant Mentor Podcast with myself, Lance, and Michael. And we are the co-founders of Instant Mentor, where we connect and equip the next generation through intentional mentorship on our mobile app. To join our community, visit our website, instantmentor.io, or join us on social media at Instant Mentor. To find your mentor or mentee, download our Instant Mentor app today and get started. As always, if there's ever anything you would like us to discuss mentorship-related, please reach out. We would love to hear from you and talk soon.